half an hour, but I've always been a, a pretty short preacher, so I don't think we'll have to worry about that. <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead and turn to Jonah chapter 1 in your Bibles. As Pastor said, we're on our way to Cote d'Ivoire, West Africa, um, also known as the Ivory Coast. Cote d'Ivoire is the, is the French uh, translation of the Ivory Coast, so that's what we call it there. Um, it's on the west coast of Africa, and we're, right now we're raising support to go there for one year with the intention to return to the States and raise support to go long term. So we're excited to see what God's going to do in this first year. And we hope that you'll pray for us, because we do need your prayer, and we'd surely appreciate that. So let's look in, in Jonah chapter 1 here. And um, before we get in this, I want to share a little story with you. Uh, Susanna is actually a third-generation missionary, and her grandfather was a missionary in Africa some years ago, and he was an airplane pilot. So he, was, he would fly around from village to village in his airplanes, and and eventually he even got a helicopter. So he was excited about that. He had this helicopter. And one time, uh, there, as he was getting ready to go to one of the villages, they were loading up the helicopter with a bunch of bags of rice. Now, you've got to understand, in Africa, rice is a staple of, of their diet there. Um, my father-in-law says if he hasn't had rice in a day, he hasn't eaten that day. So rice is very important to the Africans. So they were loading up these bags of rice in, in this... A helicopter to take to a village, and they weren't really paying attention to the weight distribution on the helicopter, so when they took off, the weight shifted and the helicopter crashed into the ground, and so that, they were all bummed about that because, man, you know, this helicopter he just got. So uh, later on, as this story was being told to a group of African men in a village, the, the men were on the edge of their seats just waiting to hear the end of the story, and and when the end of the story happened, one of the guys raises raised his hand and he said, so what happened to the rice? <laughs> Forget the helicopter, what happened to the rice, right? Well, we'd say they were, they were kind of focused on the wrong thing, right? There was a much bigger issue there. Well, in the book of Jonah, we find that Jonah was focused on the wrong thing. There was a much bigger plan that God had in mind. But Jonah got so caught up in the little things, uh, he missed the big picture. So as we see this, we're going we're gonna to see that Jonah was focused on his bitterness and his, he was self-centered. And God was trying to get him to focus on the souls that he wanted to save. So the main idea that I'm trying to uh, give to you this morning is that we must get our focus off of ourselves and focus on saving souls. So let's look here in the first chapter of Jonah. It says, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up, come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So the first thing we see here is that Jonah's bitterness was blinding. I believe that Jonah was very bitter at the Ninevites. He didn't want them to, to be saved. That's why he ran from God. He, didn't want to, he knew that if he, if he took the gospel to the Ninevites, they would probably repent. If he warned them, they would probably listen to that because God wants to give mercy, doesn't he? We see that later on in the book that Jonah said, I just knew it. If I, if I would take 
this message to them. I just knew, God, that you were going to save them. So Jonah didn't want that to happen. He was bitter at the Assyrians, the Ninevites. You say, why, why, what, um, what was this beef he had with the Ninevites? Why did he hate them? Well, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire at that time. It was the largest city in the world for about 50 years. Uh, the Assyrians had captured the Israelites, and they did awful things to the Jews. Um, they, the Assyrians were famous for their, they had mastered the art of torturing their victims. And they publicized it. They, they intentionally advertised their brutality as a part of their psychological warfare. So it was known throughout the world at that time. If you fall into the Assyrians' hands, it's over. It's bad. And Jonah very likely had terrible things happen to the people that he knew. Maybe even his, his family members or, or his close friends. We don't know. But Jonah was bitter at the Ninevites. He didn't want to see them saved. So yeah, I would say, you know, from a human perspective, Jonah had reason to be angry. He had reason to be bitter. But instead of being angry and bitter at them, he should have seen how God was going to use him save them. Saving their souls was what much more important than Jonah's bitterness. Jesus said in, in Mark 5, 44, you don't have to turn there necessarily, but Jesus said, I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And oftentimes, like Jonah, we get angry at people who hurt us, or those instead of loving them. God wants us to love our enemies. And Jonah didn't do that here. <laughs> he, was, he didn't want any part of this. So we need to stop being offended when lost people act like lost people. You know, maybe, maybe someone at your workplace calls you a dirty name and, and you say, wow, what a jerk. How could they do that? I, I just can't believe they would do that. Really? You, you can't believe that, that a lost person would act like a lost person. We need to stop being surprised when people sin. And Jonah was bitter at these people because of their sin. You know, how about in, instead of living in a, a perpetual state of shock, so to speak, at other people's sins, how about we focus on uh, showing them love and telling them about Christ? So Jonah's bitterness was blinding, but you know, God gave him a second chance. And aren't you glad that we serve a God of second chances? And if we look on here... Um, after verse 3 in, in chapter 1, it says, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. There was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so, be that God will think upon us, and we perish not. So Jonah was, had put these men in a pretty bad situation. If we look on down here, it says in verse uh, 10, uh, it says, Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. If we look on down here to verse 15, Jonah had told them, he said, basically, I'm the reason you're in trouble. I'm the reason, I've put your lives at risk by running from God. You know, when we run from God, we put other people's lives at risk oftentimes. And that's what Jonah did here. 
uh, in verse 15, it says, So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So Jonah essentially uh, was, he was going to die. He jumped overboard. I don't know if he could swim or not, but he was going to die and during this storm. But God made this fish to come swallow him, essentially saving his life. That's not natural, okay? If you fall in the ocean, I've never had a, tri a fish try to swallow me, all right? So this is a miracle, and God gave Jonah a second chance. We could read chapter 2. I don't, I don't want to go through all of it right now, but in chapter 2, it kind of details how Jonah repented and turned his heart back to doing what he to do. So he repents in chapter 2, and look with me in the first part of chapter 3. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. So Jonah here got a second chance. And God often gives us second chances, third chances, fourth chances, even fifth, right? And I'm so thankful for that. Right now, um, I'm in the middle of reading a book on Islam and the different things about the Islamic uh, religion, and I'm trying to learn more about that. But you know what? They don't have a God like that. Their God is not a God of, of second and third and fourth chances. But I'm so glad that our God is a God of second chances. So that's what we see here. God gave Jonah a second chance. Now it says here that the, the city was an exceeding great city of three days journey. Uh, different commentators have different ideas on this. If it was three days straight through the city, if, it was, if that means it took three days to walk around the city, we don't really know. But any way you look at it, this was a, a huge city at that time. So as Jonah goes into the city, in verse 4 it says, And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And Jonah wasn't very excited about this. As we see later on, he didn't really want them to get the message and repent. I, I can just see Jonah going through the city, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Saying this, this message over and over. But you know what? God used that anyway. Jonah wasn't really thrilled about this message, but God chose to use that. And I would say this was a miracle that we see happening in the rest of the chapter. In verse 5, So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. Think about this. If Jonah was this prophet that they had no idea who he was, probably. He'd just been... Uh, washed up on shore basically from this fish and maybe he got cleaned up I don't know maybe he didn't but he goes to the city and he, he's not excited about this message he tells them yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown but what a miracle that God used that to convince all of the people in the city to repent think about that isn't that amazing if God could use a message from a man who didn't even want his message to be believed how much more can he use your message when you go tell lost people about Christ? Especially if you're excited about it, right? So God wants to use you, even if you feel like maybe you're not good at speaking or something like that. 
But we see here, uh, we see that Jonah, his bitterness was blinding. So the next thing we're going to see is that Jonah's zeal was misdirected. Zeal is good, right? But oftentimes we put our zeal in the wrong place. So let's look in chapter 4. Uh, sorry, back up to chapter 3, verse 9. Jonah said, uh, the people said, Who can tell if God will repent and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said he would do unto them, and he did it not. Chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Jonah said, God, I just knew it, that if I took this message to them, I just knew that you were going to save them. Bummer, right? <laughs> well, you know what? He should have been happy that God wanted to see them, wanted to see them saved. And Jonah was looking for justice when God wanted to bring mercy. So Jonah's zeal was misdirected. His zeal was to see, to see justice, see revenge brought on the Ninevites. And yes, it would have been just, it would have been fair for the Ninevites to perish, to just totally be destroyed for their wickedness. But aren't you glad that we don't serve a God that goes by our definition of what's right and fair? If God would go by our definition of what's right and fair, a lot of us would be way worse off than we are right now. And I'm so thankful for the chances that God gives and His mercy, His grace to us. I'm so thankful for that. You know, the world wants uh, love without truth. And often as Christians, we try to give truth without love. We can't do that. If we don't love people, they're not going to believe our message of truth when we tell them. And Jonah wasn't loving these people as he was trying to tell them the message. So like I said, zeal is good. But like Jonah, we're often zealous for the wrong thing. Uh, when I was in college, I played softball for, we, ha we had four divisions in our college. Um, we, we called them leagues. And I played softball for the Watchmen League. Well, one time I was playing the far left field, and uh, the batter got up there, and he swung that bat, and the ball went way out there, all the way to me, almost all the way out by, by the fence. And so I got my glove up there, and I was so excited. I was, I was going to catch this ball, and it was going to be awesome, because it, it was a far hit. So I had my glove up there, and I was just sure that I was going to catch that ball, and I was so excited about it. I was zealous, okay? And, but you know what? My zeal was in the wrong place. <laughs> and that ball mi totally missed my glove and connected with my cheekbone right here. And about seven stitches later, um, I had a, a eye swollen so shut, barely see out of it. Man, that was pretty miserable. You know what? I had a lot of zeal <laughs> to catch that ball, but it was in the wrong place. You know, oftentimes, as Christians, we put our zeal in the wrong place. We want to see justice done to those who hurt us. But God wants to have mercy on them, and he wants to save them. You know, when someone, maybe someone robs us, breaks into your house and steals something, or just mugs you or something like that, and we're excited to see them go to jail for their crimes. But instead of being excited about that, how about we ask how we can share the gospel with them? That's what God wants us to be zealous about. God wants us to be excited about sharing the gospel instead of seeing people punished for their sins. So, let's think about, let's be excited when God 
instead of getting excited when they suffer for them. One commentator I read uh, said, It is possible to serve the Lord and yet not love the people. How unlike Jesus Christ, Jonah is in this chapter. For Jesus looked lost souls and wept. That's not what Jonah did. Jonah wished that people would suffer for their sins. And Jesus said here in Matthew 28, 19, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. The command here in the original language is to make disciples. And that's what we should be excited about. We should be making disciples. That was the, basically the last command that Jesus left for us on earth, was to make disciples. And that's what we should be zealous about. Our zeal should be to make disciples. So we see that Jonah's zeal was misdirected. He was excited about the wrong thing. The third thing we're going to see here is that Jonah's focus was self-centered. Let's look on here in, in chapter 4, verse 3. After Jonah saw that God was going to save the Ninevites, he says here in verse 3, uh, verse, yeah, verse 3, Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Wow, that's a, that's a mouthful, isn't it? He would rather die than to see these people saved. Verse 4, Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. But God prepared him when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did rise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted, and wished in himself to die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Now, growing up, we had a garden, and in this garden, we, we grew squash plants. And that's what I always thought that a gourd was. You know, this little, I don't know, whatever, this little squash plant. But I don't think that's the case in this chapter. This gourd was big enough to grow up and give shade to Jonah from the sun. And so Jonah was... was really excited about this gourd that God had given him, something seemingly insignificant, a, a temporal thing that God had given him. And if we look here, um, in verse 8, it says that God took it away from him. He, he sent this east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah. And verse 9, God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Here Jonah is again thinking, man, I wish I could just die because of all the stuff that's happened to me. But you know what? Oftentimes, as Christians, we get focused on the temporal things of life like this so that we miss the big picture of what God's trying to do. In this story, there's basically four main miracles that happen. There's uh, the, the storm calming when Jonah was thrown into the sea. That was a miracle. There's the, the fish that came to save Jonah's life. That was not natural, okay? That was a miracle. Um, then there's the, the whole city repenting as a result of Jonah's message. And then we also see this gourd that God created, and he made it die the next day. So there were, there were these four main miracles, yet Jonah remained focused on himself. How often does God do something amazing in our life, and yet we remain focused on ourselves? We have to get our focus off of these temporal things on our lives 
and get them focused on what God's trying to do through us. Jonah was really, he was focused on things that don't matter in the long run. Um, the gourd here, he, Jonah forgot that basically that God made this gourd. God maintained it, you know. God could take it away whenever he wanted to. And sometimes God gives us a blessing in our lives, uh, a gourd, so to speak, that we really enjoy. But when God does that, we have to remember that it came from God. Um, everything good that we have came from God. And he has the right to take it away whenever he wants to. H.A. Ironside was eating at a restaurant one time, and he bowed his head to, to give thanks for the food. When a man nearby asked him what he was doing, he replied that he was thanking God for the food. The man said, oh, you're one of those, are you? Well, I want you to know that I never give thanks for my food. I earn my money by the sweat of my brow, and I don't have to give thanks to anybody when I eat. I just start right on in. And Ironside told him, yeah, you're, you're just like my dog. That's what he does, too. <laughs> you know, oftentimes we're like that as well. We just dive on in and we forget that where our blessings came from. And that's kind of what Jonah did here. When we have a gourd in our life, a blessing from God, we need to stop and remember where it came from, that it was God who gave it to us. In James chapter 1 and verse 17, you can quote it with me if you remember it, Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh, uh, is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So everything that we have comes from God. Uh, one commentator I read pointed out that as the Father of lights, as it says in, in this verse, the Father of heavenly lights, he's the creator of the sun, the moon, and the stars. Everything that's here is his. So anything that he chooses to give to us came directly from him. We, rem we need to remember this, that anything good in our life came from God. Job said, um, as he was going through all his trials and stuff, in Job 1.27, he just lost everything. And he says, the Lord giveth, he taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job acknowledged God's right over everything in his life. His, his possessions, his wealth, his kids, his occupation, his employer, his uh, employees, I mean, and his, and his future. He acknowledged God's right over all of that. How often do we say, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, and then we follow it up with something like, but doesn't God know that I'm trying to serve him? Or how could God do this to me? Doesn't he know that I'm, I'm trying to do right? God, what are you doing in my life? But that's not what Job said. What if we could say with, with Job, blessed be the name of the Lord. So how opposite is that to Jonah's response, right? Jonah was so angry, he just wished he could just die, right? Well, I believe that the whole book of Jonah is God trying to, to get Jonah to see the big picture. That's saving souls and bringing glory to God. So many times we get caught up in these little things in life, whether it's making money, whether it's, whether it's uh, some plans you have, maybe it's a person in your life. But we get caught up in these little things and we forget where our blessings came from. We forget what God is trying to do through us, the big picture. So God wants us to focus on the big picture. In this story, the focus isn't on Jen Jonah getting revenge on the Ninevites. That's not the focus. It's, it's not on, the focus isn't on Jonah's comfort. The focus isn't on 
uh, even on the miracles necessarily that God did. The focus is that jo God was trying to get Jonah to see is that he wanted to save the Ninevites. And he wanted Jonah to use Jonah to do it. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Susanna's grandfather, that was that pilot, uh, one time he did a helicopter. And he'd been flying planes, and he decided he wanted to get a helicopter to, to use there in Africa. And one day, he finally got his helicopter. He was so excited. He finally had this helicopter, and it was, it was just his baby, you know, what he wanted. And he was so excited how God could use that maybe to, to go from village to village and all these things. Well, in the early 2000s, along came this, uh, this civil war, and a lot of the soldiers would come, and they'd steal cars, and they'd do all these things, just, just commandeer all the supplies that people had. Well, they came, and they took his helicopter. And what they did was they took the metal, and they melted it down to make pots and pans and, and even bullets. And, you know, her grandfather that owned the helicopter there, he could have he gotten all bitter about it. I know he wasn't happy about it. But he could have gotten bitter about it, but instead, he went on sharing the gospel with those Africans. And today, there's still results that we can see from that. But he could have been bitter about it, but he didn't. As Christians, we often get caught up in possessions that we have or things like that. And we say, wow, God, I just love this, this thing that you've given me. But God wants to use us for something much greater. We need to focus on the big picture. So, as I kind of wrap this up here, um, you might say, well, that, that's great, but so what? How does this apply to me today, right? What's the practical application for me today? Well, as I said, the main thing here is to get our focus off of ourselves and focus on the big picture of saving souls. I don't know, maybe there's something in your life that uh, is taking up all your attention. Maybe it's taking your attention away from what God wants you to be doing as far as the Great Commission. Maybe, maybe there's someone at your workplace that God wants you to deliver the gospel to them. And you say, well, I'm, I'm always so busy at work, or I'm just, I just don't have time to do this. But look at the big picture of what God wants to do through you. He wants to use you to save those around you. You know, in light of God's forgiveness to us, we can't be bitter at those around us like Jonah was at the Ninevites. Uh, I was reading this book recently called Unoffendable. Highly recommend it. It's by Brant Henson, and I don't know if you've read it or not, but I would, I would recommend that book. In that book, uh, he gives the illustration of if a person has, is on death row and they've just been pardoned, they're driving home and someone cuts them off in traffic, they're probably not going to blow up at them because of what they've just been saved from. They're just so happy to be off of death row that they're not going to be upset at others around them. Well, similarly, we should be so thankful for God's grace in our lives, His forgiveness, that when someone does something unkind to us, we're, we're just so thankful. We just want to share the gospel with them. We're not mad at them. We're not upset at them. We just want to share the gospel. When we focus on God's grace, it'll change our attitude to towards those around us and to those we should be witnessing to. So think about how, God, how great God's forgiveness is. So we saw that Jonah's bitterness was blinding, his zeal was misdirected, and his focus was self-centered. So don't let bitterness in your life. It's, it's not worth it. It'll make you run from God. Don't desire revenge when God desires mercy. 
And don't focus on yourself. We need to wake up and realize how God wants to use us to save souls. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the account of Jonah and the many things we can learn from this. I know there's a dozen other messages that could be brought from from these passages. But Lord, we thank you for um, directing our focus to saving souls. We pray that you'd help us to not be distracted by the things of this life. Um, Even though there are great blessings, we just pray that you'd help us to stay focused on what's important. And we ask all this in your name. Amen.